Welcome to the Horses Equine Innovators Podcast, sponsored by Zoetis Animal Health. I'm your host, Stephanie Church, Editor-in-Chief at The Horse. Every day, researchers at universities and other institutions around the world are investigating new ways to care for and understand our horses and the horse industry. In this podcast series, we talk to those innovators to learn more about their work. First, a message from our sponsor. Now introducing Core EQ Innovator from Zoetis, the first and only vaccine to protect against all five potentially fatal core equine diseases in a single injection. Talk to your veterinarian today to schedule your horse's spring vaccination with Core EQ Innovator. Okay, let's get started with today's conversation. Right now, many of us are in the throes of managing horses during winter. We're lugging heavy barn doors shut at night, and some of us are working our horses in indoor arenas. This makes today's topic, horse barn and indoor arena ventilation, especially relevant. Our guest today is Dr. Morgan Hayes, Assistant Extension Professor in Biosystems Engineering within the University of Kentucky's College of Engineering. Dr. Hayes is a unique combination of vocations. She's both an engineer and an extension specialist focused on animal husbandry. She works to find ways to improve environments to which animals are exposed by providing education on ventilation, energy, water, and temperature requirements in barns. Welcome, Dr. Hayes. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for joining us. So tell me a little about your role at UK and your research focus. Sure. So uh, my role is a a three-way split. I teach, uh, I do research, and I provide uh, support for farmers in the state um, and horse owners, obviously. Uh, And my research really focuses on um, the facilities that animals are housed in. I, I really am passionate about providing the best housing that we can for animals um, so that they are productive and healthy. Thank you. Um, So how did you end up researching topics that impact horses? That's an interesting question. So I I grew up uh, thinking that I was going to be a veterinarian, uh, which I think most people that are passionate about animals do. Uh, And I found my my home in engineering. Uh, I am uh, in a family of engineers. So when I started in college, I really focused in on uh, agricultural engineering as a way to mesh my passion for animals um, and my my love of engineering. Uh, and over time, um, I've worked with a bunch of animals, uh, livestock species, poultry, uh, pigs, dogs. You can hear one in the background here, cattle. And also, um, uh, when I came to Kentucky and started my, my position here, I saw a real need in the horse industry to provide um, some support to, to farmers and, and horse owners that really um, are struggling with uh, barn environments. Okay. So um, tell me about those things that you saw. Um, how did you see that need? What were some things you saw in the barns and arenas? Sure. So one of the things that was really um, uh, interesting is when I first started at Kentucky, I had a, a graduate student uh, who was interested in joining my group. Um, and she uh, had spent 20 years, you know, working with horses, training, riding, grooming. Um, and she really uh, made me aware of um, a lot of the facets of the horse industry, something I hadn't been familiar with uh, prior to uh, meeting her. 
Uh, and we ended up in a lot of really interesting discussions about what the needs were for the horse industry, um, specifically uh, challenges within the barns. Um, and then we ended up on a really in-depth discussion about indoor arenas, um, something that I had no experience with prior to meeting her um, and something which we found in, in looking at the data. There's, there's not a lot of information out there at all right now. Uh, for someone who wants to build or manage an indoor arena, there's not a lot of guidance, you know, available for horse owners and managers. Yeah, so for many of our listeners, it's winter and an indoor arena is a big part of their lives right now. Um, what What is it about um, indoor arenas that make them difficult to um, to aerate or to to provide ventilation in? Oh, there's a couple challenges. One of the one of the really challenging things about an indoor arena is anticipating the animals, the number of animals that are going to be working at one time, however many horses that is, um, the time of day at which we're trying to do it. Also, you know, the arena footing tends to be dusty. Um, a lot of people are trying to manage dust uh, due to that footing. And what they end up doing is they a lot of times use water uh, as a management strategy, uh, which is effective. But there's a fine balancing act between putting enough water on uh, the footing to keep the dust down, but not so much water that it rains on your head while you're riding in the mm -hmm. arena. <laughs> Indeed. And you also have to think about it freezing and such too this time of year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you don't want your footing to freeze. That would be really challenging. And and people generally want to be comfortable when they ride. So there's also that balancing act that people want to close the arena up to try and keep it a little bit warmer. Um, but if it's overly closed, it tends to uh, be very stale. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me about the research that you are conducting right now on uh, indoor arenas. How have you gone about c collecting your information? So we knew anecdotally when we started um, working on this project that, that people were going to have issues with the environment in the indoor arena. Um, but the first step in the process was to send out uh, an anonymous online survey. Uh, and we had uh, over 400 responses on the survey uh, from different horse owners, uh, riders, uh, trainers that use these arenas. Uh, and what we found was that people were very concerned about the environment. You know, over 70% of them expressed concerns um, about both dust um, and also uh, excessive moisture in these arenas. Uh, and people also express concerns about lack of air movement. So once we knew that these environmental concerns really existed, uh, the next step was to start going out and making assessments of some of these arenas. Um, so we've been out to, I'd say, between 30 and 40 arenas, um, specifically here in central Kentucky. Um, and what we've been doing is um, measuring the spatial variability in lighting, air temperature, air speeds, humidity levels, um, roof temperatures, floor temperatures, all sorts of things within the arena, just trying to understand uh, how that arena functions. Um, and currently, we have a number of arenas that we're measuring um, the environment over time so we can see how much it varies throughout the day. Uh, hopefully, we can then sort of compile all this data. It'll give us enough information to start making some guidance recommendations um, for those people that are managing these arenas. 
That's really interesting. So um, can you describe just a, the range of types of arenas that you've seen? Or have some of them had like stalls right around the, right around the edges of the arena? Is the barn separate? Um, what, what types of arenas have you seen so far? Absolutely. So one of the things that's actually pretty interesting, we've we've actually looked at both just covered arenas, uh, independent arenas that stand alone, uh, arenas with stalls attached, um, arenas where the stalls are attached through a breezeway. Um, and we are pretty careful to note sort of that interaction because having the horses in stalls within the arena uh, adds another facet to the challenge because then we're housing the horses and we're managing the arena as a riding surface uh, simultaneously. And it gets a little bit trickier when we have both things happening at once. Mm, I would imagine. So what have you found so far? Um, so what we found so far is that um, some some people really have a pretty good handle on how to manage their footing and other people find it more challenging. There's a lot of different materials that we use as footing uh, within the arena and they have different characteristics. Um, we've been uh, working on some extension publications specifically about that footing and the management of it because um, I think for a lot of people that is uh, a good first step. Um, we also know that most arenas don't have great ventilation. Um, they don't instinctively um, approach that as one of their primary um, thoughts when they build an arena, uh, mainly because the people that build arenas are are people that build large uh, pole structures, uh, okay. and, and ventilation isn't their primary focus. Yes, indeed. Um, I rode in an arena on Sunday. It was about 22 degrees outside. I don't know what I was thinking, but um, it was a covered arena out near Paris, Kentucky, and um, it was lovely. Like the the footing was well maintained. Um, you know, I could tell that this was a comfortable space both in a 22 degree day, and I'm sure it is when it's 95 degrees in the summer and humid too. Um, so some people really do it right. Oh, absolutely. And and it's an expensive investment for, for people that have put in an indoor arena. Um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons that it's so important for us that we get to sort of the heart of some of these issues and we provide some really good guidance because we know that people make major investments uh, in these structures and we want to make sure that we're providing them at the end of this study uh, with the information that they need to to build a better arena that's going to last longer and that they're going to be more happy using. So what we're going to end up with is some kind some kind of design guide, right? Is there something that we will be able to contact our extension agent and receive or um, absolutely. what? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Oh yeah, absolutely. That is, that is our goal is, is to provide um, our guidance uh, in a format that it's available to the public. Um, uh, one of the real benefits of having an extension and a research uh, component uh, to my job is that, you know, we get to go out and do this science and then we get to directly apply it to producers. Um, mm -hmm. One of our goals is to make sure that not only is it relevant here in Kentucky, but that we uh, make sure that that guidance is relevant across the U.S. Um, so that everyone has access to that kind of information. Well, I definitely look forward to seeing that once it's available. So let's go ahead and move on to barns. So this time of year in colder climates, we see a lot of barns with the barn doors closed and sometimes even the windows. So tell me about what's happening there. What level of shutting up the barn is good for our horses and maybe what isn't so much? 
Sure. So I always like to preface this with people shut up barns for the most part for their comfort. Uh, you know, instinctively, when we close up the doors um, on the barns uh, and all the windows, we're doing it because it's more comfortable for us uh, to muck out a stall or to clean an alleyway or to do whatever, not completely bundled up uh, with our heavy mittens and hats and gloves on. Um, the horses themselves are actually very adaptable. Their, their thermoneutral zone, even on a clipped horse, would go down to about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So the horses do extremely well in cooler climates. It's really us as humans that don't do well in those cooler climates. Um, so we want to really be careful when we think about opening or closing a barn that we're doing it for the horse's uh, benefit. Because if we close it up too tight, we do end up with some air quality issues in those barns. Indeed, and you're talking about these um, these thermoneutral zones for horses, and you've studied other types of animals. I'm just curious, where on the spectrum does the horse land um, since you've worked with pigs and cows and other animals? Sure, so cows have a slightly larger thermoneutral zone. They go a little bit lower. But generally, you know, the cows and the horses, because of how their their body digests um, uh, grasses and other materials, they tend to be really good and efficient, um, and they produce a lot of heat in those processes. Um, also, they, they're big animals, um, and that helps them as well. Um, smaller animals, uh, like pigs, uh, tend to be a little bit narrower on their thermoneutral zone. Um, interestingly, chickens, because they have all those feathers, they're actually really adaptable as well. Uh, I always think it's interesting to note, too, something like a cat uh, doesn't actually do well in the cold as much as they are extremely adaptable to the warmer temperatures. So typically, these cows and horses that are really good at colder temperatures tend to have heat stress uh, maybe a little bit earlier than um, those smaller animals that tend to handle a little bit more heat better, but don't handle handle the cold quite as well. That's so interesting. Um, I know we have a variety of critters in our in our barn. We have the horses, of course, and then we have the cats that wander through, and the dogs also. And I know that um, some of my friends who manage horses they have chickens in their farm as well. So <laughs> <laughs> thinking about all the species as we as we uh, manage our animals. So um, when you're talking about the the uh, barn being closed up and uh, how it creates some issues. So what you're saying is that if my if my window on my stall is broken and there's like a little air coming through, that's not a bad thing, right? No, providing a little fresh air specifically into the stall is a good thing. Um, and most barns are designed for natural ventilation. So most either have some opening at the eave uh, or you're able to crack a window or something like that to bring fresh air into the stall. Um, and then if the barn is set up correctly, um, all that air can exhaust out through like cupolas that are up in the ridge of the roof at the peak of the roof. Um, and the heat from the horse being in that stall is going to cause some of that stale air to rise anyway. Um, so if we can set up the barn to bring a little bit of fresh air right into the stall, it is absolutely a good thing for those horses. And what about closing up those barn doors as soon as we get there at night? I know that when we walk in, um, we're we're chilled and we want to do our, um, you know, the, the barn aisle can be like a wind tunnel sometimes just um, because there is good ventilation. So when we shut that up, do we need to crack those? When, do we need to crack those doors at night when we're ready to go home or? 
Um, it depends on the barn and how it's oriented and set up. Um, uh, in some cases, we can actually get away um, without opening the doors if we have enough opening in our eaves. If we have really shut up our eaves and our windows, then we might need to leave those doors cracked to move some air through that alleyway in the center of the barn. Um, it's really pretty barn dependent. One of the things that I tell people to look for in a, as an indicator of, of poor air quality is um, the amount of moisture that you're seeing um, condensed on surfaces first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're seeing a lot of moisture condensing, it means we're not getting enough moisture out, so we don't probably have quite enough ventilation in that barn, and that would be an indication that we probably need to either crack some doors or crack some more windows or do something to try and move a little bit more air in that barn. Great, that's very practical advice. Thank you. So in other areas of the world, it's summer, of course, or it's like Florida, so it's simply mild year round. And I know that people have broken out their stall fans. So in mm -hmm. the barn where I keep my horse happy, we have a mixture of purpose design stall fans, industrial grade fans, and those plastic Walmart box fans among the borders. So a few years ago, I installed a fan that is designed for use in a horse barn and I mounted it really high up, kind of at an angle over his feed bucket and it points down at him in the summer. I like to think it provides him a little bit of relief from the summer heat while keeping off the bugs. Um, I understand that you and your grad students have done some research on these fans or all types of fan use. What did you find? Yeah, so we have done some work on uh, fan use in, in the stalls. And what we really found was that um, the fans are really, they make us happy and they do provide some air exchanges within the space. Um, but what they don't tend to provide is really uniform air movement over the whole stall. Um, specifically, the box fans that you reference from Walmart or any sort of box store, um, those fans really only provide a small area that gets air movement. So only where you attach them onto that grate um, with your bungee cord or however you're attaching them there, there's only a small area right in front of that fan that really feels any sort of air movement. Those mm -hmm. higher mounted fans uh, are able to develop a little bit wider jet, so you get air movement over a little bit more area. Um, but again, the air movement is not extremely fast over most of the stall. Uh, and the angle that that fan is set at really changes where that air movement uh, is felt. Um, so we want to be really uh, thoughtful about how we set up these fans to get air movement where we want it, um, because we're probably not going to get it everywhere. Okay. What about, like, uh, I'm curious about your, your study design setup. I'm just trying to imagine what it was like when you were trying to collect this information. Did you put sensors on the horses themselves or were they on pieces of equipment in the in the stall? A great question. So the way we set up this study is we um, used two stalls uh, and in one stall we uh, put a box fan on the grate um, on the aisleway and the other one we had a mounted fan that was up by the eave, more like what you're describing, more of an industrial fan that's set up for a horse. Um, stall. Uh, in both cases, we put sensors in the stall, one sort of sort of behind the um, feed bucket uh, in a spot where the horse couldn't eat it, uh, mm -hmm. and the other one uh, just above the door um, uh, where the horse would go in and out of the stall. 
we didn't put any sensors on the horse themselves. Um, and the other thing we did was we actually, when the horses uh, were out in the pasture, uh, we took air movements in a grid pattern at um, basically uh, shoulder height at about five feet and then also at about four inches off the ground um, throughout the stall so we could see how air was moving uh, within that stall um, when there wasn't a horse in there so we could figure out where the best uh, locations for air movement were. Um, and what we found was that the orientation of the fan uh, that was mounted really made the air movement either occur at that five foot level or at ground level. So depending on how we uh, tilted that uh, fan that was up high, it really changed where we felt air movement. So if we had, say, a, a, a horse that we like to ride and it likes to stand in the stall and we want to put air movement across its back while it's standing up, we might orient fan one way versus if we wanted to remove ammonia from the stall, something that actually that fan would be more effective at doing, um, we might orient the fan a little bit differently so it moved air across the ground um, to get some ammonia out of that stall if we had, say, a foal in there laying down mm -hmm. quite a bit. Yeah, their little nose right down there by the, by the urine. That would yep. really help. Yeah. It's really cool. Thanks for explaining that to us. So also at my barn, we use mostly pelleted wood bedding, the kind that you, um, you kind of put the hose in the in the bag of the pelleted bedding and it expands and then you kind of open it up and spread it. But mm -hmm. some stalls have traditional shavings also because we do have boarders who take care of their own horses. So we often wet down the pelleted wood bedding daily to help with the dust. So what I realized here is that we've created both a dust and a moisture situation. Is there one that I should be concerned about over the other and what problems might I be causing? Well, that's a great question. So um, with regard to um, uh, bedding materials, um, each bedding material has different characteristics on how it produces dust, uh, the size particles, um, and the amount of dust being produced um, varies quite a bit. Um, typically, um, interestingly, people tend to think hay doesn't produce a lot of dust. Um, and, and the answer is actually that hay produces dust, but it produces a lot of very fine particles of dust. So we don't tend to see it as much when we're walking through a barn. Mm -hmm. um, this versus the wood um, pellets and the wood shavings, which tend to be uh, more visible dust, um, but it tends to be larger particles that tend to fall out of suspension a little bit faster. Okay. Um, we definitely need, with the pelleted wood bedding, we still need to wet it because um, that's what causes it to um, react in such a way that it can then absorb um, urine. So it's not that we can not wet it and, and have it work correctly. We do need to wet it in some form or fashion. I think one of the really big things to know is that um, with all of these materials, we want to um, um, muck out our stalls, uh, hopefully while the horses aren't there. Uh, and some of the, the data that's out there would suggest that if we have reasonable ventilation within about an hour, that dust level should go back down quite a bit after mucking out a stall, which tends to be uh, one of the major spikes in dust levels within the barn. Hmm. That's really interesting. So what about people who use uh, like leaf blowers to blow the aisle? Is that going to make it last even longer? Uh, so the leaf blowers are, 
stir up a lot of dust. Um, it wouldn't be my recommendation to use a leaf blower, especially if um, there's horses and other humans in the barn um, while you're trying to do that and you're not wearing some form of a mask while doing so. Although maybe now we're all wearing masks, so maybe it's not as bad. But but in general, um, the dust blowers do disturb a lot of dust, but they don't necessarily move the dust and dirt out of the barn um, very effectively. You know, um, one of the things I challenge a lot of people on is moving air is different than providing fresh air. Um, and, mm -hmm. and a leaf blower doesn't necessarily, isn't the most effective way to move all those particles out of the barn. It just stirs them up for a minute and then they settle back down over time. Um, so we don't necessarily remove those small particles that we're trying to get out of the barn. Yeah, that's really interesting. So um, if I were to have my own barn and have a concrete aisle, I probably wouldn't, would want to get one of the big brooms. Is that a better way to manage those types of situations? Absolutely. Yeah, a broom will move um, a lot more of the particles without uh, necessarily uh, stirring them up into the air as much. So um, how can I assess the ventilation in my barn? And if I don't see those dust motes floating in the air, is my space in pretty good shape? That's an excellent question. So there's a couple things. Um, I already mentioned the moisture being an indication of a lack of ventilation, but other things that would be indications of, of a lack of ventilation would be extremely high temperatures uh, in the barn in the summertime um, mm -hmm. or extremely high temperatures in the barn in the wintertime. Uh, most barns aren't really designed to be warm. Um, they might be, say, 5 or 10 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than outside. But if you're seeing a barn that's you know 20 or 30 degrees warmer than outside temperatures, and you don't have a heater in that barn, um, that would be an indication that you have the barn shut up too tight. There's not enough air movement through it. Um, okay. And and the dust, again, the particle sizes on dust is, is very tricky. Um, so sometimes when you see those dust particles um, floating in the air, um, it's an indication that we have a lot of dust. Other times, um, the dust particles are not necessarily highly visible uh, to the naked eye. Um, Sometimes people will say, I didn't see any dust, but I have allergies. Uh, that would be an indication that you have a lot of smaller dust particles yeah. uh, that are still causing reactions for you, but they aren't necessarily um, visible to the naked eye. Yes, yeah, so yesterday I was looking back at an article in one of, one of last year's magazines where a source was saying that you shouldn't be able to see beams of sunlight in the barn because that's a sign of dust. Is that kind of a good indicator too, if you're seeing sunbeams? Yeah, well, that would absolutely, that's that's light reflecting off of very small particles. Um, it's not always an absolutely perfect uh, way to assess uh, dust. I mean, but at the end of the day, there's pretty expensive equipment to, to monitor dust. So most people aren't going to monitor it uh, qualitatively themselves. Right. I'm talking about going back to temperature in the barn. Um, do you recommend that people hang a few thermometers around or do you just judge if whether it's too warm by feel? Um, I, I don't think it would be a terrible idea to have um, some thermometers in the barns. Um, we've gotten some really nice uh, equipment now that is waterproof and weatherproof um, that would provide you with a good temperature reading, usually with a digital display right on it. Um, 
And sometimes it's nice to see how the barn is, is reacting. Um, it's also sometimes nice to see how a stall temperature is versus an, an aisle way temperature. Mm -hmm. um, this is one of the real challenges with the barn environment is that typically we measure the barn environment where we stand. Um, and we don't tend to stand um, in the stall with the horse to notice if it's hot where the horse is. We just notice in the aisleway where we're standing, where there's a breeze going, that it doesn't feel hot to us. Mm -hmm. um, so it's sometimes it's worth uh, sort of investigating the space where the animal is versus the aisleway where we tend to spend more of our time. Yes, you know, last week I was getting my horse ready to ride and I'll let him eat on his alfalfa as we're getting ready and in the stall. And I noticed that I just had to take my coat off and hang it outside the stall while I was grooming. I was getting a little too warm. So I hadn't really thought about that. I'll have to, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Maybe open up that window a little more. <laughs> so um, yeah, he produces a lot of heat, he or she, I'm not sure, but produces a lot of heat. Those animals are very effective at producing heat. So as long as we have a way for that heat to get out, um, it's certainly worth bringing some fresh air in. Indeed. Um, so what are some ways that farm owners can improve their ventilation in existing barns? Um, so one of the things, you know, I, I recommend is if you have um, openings, make sure that they really are open. So a lot of times there's something like uh, bird net netting over an eave. Um, and what ha happens over time is that it uh, gets filled in with, you know, dust and particles. Um, and if those openings get too enclosed, then we don't get air through those eaves. Um, mm -hmm. Also, sometimes you'll see a lot of cobwebs um, and things like that up uh, at the cupolas. Um, and then air can't get out up at the top. Um, so all of those are, are things that, you know, just general cleanliness um, will really help with. Um, also, um, if you're barn isn't oriented to take wind well, you can use, uh, you know, larger floor fans to try and move some air down the aisleways. Um, and while I mentioned that the fans are not necessarily really effective at cooling a horse by providing enough airspeed to do that, some of the times those mixing fans do move air from an aisleway into a stall. So if you think the stall isn't ventilating, but the aisleway is, that is an option for bringing fresh air into the stall. Just don't expect it to necessarily provide cooling for the horse. Okay, that's interesting. Let's continue talking about barns for a second. So I'm thinking about our barn where we have big heavy doors that shut and there's um, not bars, but um, kind of like a chain link uh, over the door. So mm -hmm. that's what the ventilation is over about chest level for the horse, unless you leave your door open and you've installed some sort of stall guard or um, like a, a, a gate, a stall gate, so the horse can put its head out in the aisle. How much do those stall gates and those stall guards help with ventilation in the stall? Um, so the, the more open uh, the stall is, the more air um, freely moves between the stall and the aisleway. So some of them are, are quite helpful, uh, especially on a more uh, closed in door uh, that's, you know, heavy wood. Um, so there are some benefits on, on some of those um, for exactly that reason. Uh, if you already had a very open grate style door, um, I don't know that you would gain as much benefit from uh, a stall guard. Okay. So um, you were talking about ways to improve ventilation in barns. How about indoor arenas? Do the same 
uh, principles apply? Um, yeah, so one thing I do encourage people to think about is, um, you know, potentially, you know, you may have to install a fan um, or some form of mechanical ventilation to try and exchange air unless um, you have some smaller openings. So some arenas have windows that can be opened. Uh, other ones have doors and only doors. And sometimes in the wintertime, that's more challenging to just open a door all the way up. It, it provides too much air movement. Um, but both are uh, valid approaches is just making sure that there are some openings, especially in the ridge and in the eaves to allow some air movement through that space. Um, the other real challenge with the arena is we want to only provide the right amount of air movement because there's not always horses in an arena. So there are times when having it completely shut is not a problem. Um, but there's other times when we really need a little bit of air movement while we're working horses in that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are very fortunate at our farm to have a pretty large indoor arena. And I think the most people I see in there at once when it's busy is probably about three in the evenings. But we still keep the, the um, the door open, the main door open, and it, it, it doesn't ever feel too stuffy or too, um, you don't see a lot of dust kicked up. So I think we've done a pretty good job of mitigating that. Um, so if our listeners have the luxury of building their own barns and indoor arenas, what are some ways they can prioritize ventilation when they're working on the design? Um, the first thing I would say is, is really to spend the time to get the barn uh, oriented correctly to take wind uh, and take advantage of natural air movement, um, especially on barns. If we can set it up so that we receive air um, into some of these stalls and it goes across the barn rather than um, always directly up the aisle way and then no air moves uh, through the stalls, sometimes that's a real benefit. Um, also, um, sometimes we can do things like um, make our openings large enough. Um, so one of the things that happens currently in a lot of barn design is a lot of a lot of barns actually and arenas are, are built sort of to um, human occupied standards, which means we use a lot of um, really small openings in the eaves. It looks sort of like on the side of your house, you almost use the same sort of vinyl on the mm -hmm. eaves. And that doesn't really provide enough uh, opening for air to come in those eaves uh, to get into those stalls for those horses. So if we can open those up and just use some some bird netting or something like that over those eaves to keep birds out of that area, that would be a far better option. Um, also, if you have cupolas, uh, most cupolas now sold in the U.S. are are only there to be attractive looking. They don't actually uh, operate to ventilate. Um, so if you're choosing equipment like that, finding ones that actually are designed to allow air movement are really important. Um, mm. By taking advantage of those natural air movement, the orientation for wind, and then the eave openings and the roof openings, um, a lot of that ventilation will happen without you having to do a lot of management, which really helps. Mm -hmm. So around here, um, we have a lot of those tobacco barns that have been converted into horse barns. Um, I know I didn't ask you this earlier in our prep, but I'm just curious, are those 
um, kind of naturally already ready for horses or do they need to be retrofitted a whole lot so that the ventilation is appropriate for them? So this is a great question. Um, so for anyone who's not from Kentucky, a tobacco barn is a wood-sided barn that is designed to ventilate. Um, usually they were located somewhere on a hillside or the top of a hill uh, and designed to receive wind because we wanted the tobacco to cure in these barns um, and we wanted the air to move in and out all fall um, so that the tobacco would get warm and cold um, as temperatures tend to do here in Kentucky. We get a lot of uh, pretty drastic swings uh, in the fall going into the winter time. Um, they are an excellent option for ventilation um, because they are actually designed to ventilate um, by the nature of how the barn is built. Um, some people find them challenging in the sense that you can potentially get some precipitation um, through the wood-sided barns um, because there are gaps between, between the pieces of wood. Um, but I think from a ventilation standpoint, they are excellent. Um, mm -hmm. So I would strongly encourage people to use them um, for stalls. Um, they work extremely well. I've even seen one used, a larger one, retrofitted to be an arena. Um, oh, wow. They definitely had air movement. Now, that takes a lot of structural changes to make that work that way because you have to take out a lot of wood. Mm -hmm. um, but but they are a really interesting design that is actually very effective um, for moving air um, through those stalls. Yes, yeah, some of my favorite barns around here are those tobacco barns. And it's interesting because um, I can remember riding my bike down the, there's a road near my farm and I'd ride my bike down that road. And as I went past the tobacco barns in the fall, you could smell the tobacco just from like 20 feet away. So the ventilation is very evident there. Absolutely. So um, what are some future directions you hope to take with your research, Dr. Hayes? Well, I think the questions just keep coming. Um, this is pretty uh, open area for research right now. There's not a lot of data. So um, things that we're working on right now, uh, my student and I are really trying to figure out how much water um, evaporates from the footing, like indoor in indoor arenas, um, so that we can figure out how much water we really have to add. Um, you know, a lot of people, don't they don't know how much water to add and they don't know how to keep uh, their footing at the optimal moisture level and it's it's challenging you, it's not something you instinctively know you just water when you find that you have dust um, but figuring out how to maybe more precisely manage watering footing um, and then also um, really interested in and dust and air quality uh, overall in both the barns and in the arenas um, and characterizing that dust. Um, as I said before, the dust is really a variable um, commodity and, and really figuring out how much dust is there and how long it takes for that dust to settle back down. Um, and if there's any strategies out there for reducing that dust level, that's certainly on my priority list. Well, we really look forward to seeing those results and um, learning about what we can do to adapt our own properties. Um, and finally, where can our listeners learn more about the research that you're doing? Absolutely. So I do have uh, a website at uh, on UKY uh, in the Biosystems and Ag Engineering Department um, and also a number of extension materials. So for people in Kentucky, 
um, that are looking for information like this, um, we have been actively working on producing extension publications um, related to horse facilities for your listeners. Okay, cool. Thank you. I'll also mention that Dr. Hayes gave a presentation on these topics a few years ago that you can find at thehorse.com slash 139299. That's thehorse.com 139299. Or you can simply search equine barn ventilation on the horse.com search tool. So thank you so very much, Dr. Hayes, for sharing your time and expertise on this important subject. I really do appreciate you coming on the podcast and answering my questions. Thank you. I also want to thank our sponsor, Zoetis. For more from the horse, visit thehorse.com, sign up for our newsletters, or look for Ask the Horse Live wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please join us next time as we explore the horse industry equine animators.